Romans chapter 16, verse 20 says, The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Hallelujah. 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 So, so we're singing scripture when we sing that song. Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you. I was getting a little worried last week when I saw that, that uh, slide that Pastor Mike had that was right at the beginning of his message. I thought, thought he was going to preach my message for me. Anyhow, we've been talking for a few weeks now about growing up spiritually, and, and uh, this is just another installment on growing up where we take back what the enemy has stolen from us, okay? You ready to do that today? In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So, my question to you today is, are you experiencing the abundant life that God talked about in that verse? Are you experiencing that in every area of your life? Because that's what God intends for all of his children, to experience abundant life in every area of your life, in your finances, in your health, in your spiritual walk. He wants you to have abundant life. So I guess the, uh, the, uh, uh, if you're not experiencing that, it means that the enemy has stolen from you. And it's time for him to give it back. You know, sometimes we lose things because of our own carelessness. Sometimes we lose things because of our own stupidity. Sometimes we lose things just because we're plain don't know what we're doing. You know, if I take my car down to Los Angeles, I have done that a few times, something I dread very much. Anybody here from Los Angeles? My, my condolences. You're glad you're here, right? <laughs> Anyhow, if I take my car down to Los Angeles and I park on the street in kind of a bad part of town or maybe just a semi-bad part, and I leave the keys in the car and the windows open, what's going to happen? I come back a little while later, the car's probably going to be gone, isn't it? Now, somebody would probably say that I was pretty stupid for leaving my keys in the car, right? That's right. But you know, if that thief gets caught, he still broke the law. He still broke the law taking my car, even if the keys were in it. If somebody breaks into your house, you know, if you forget to lock your doors, or you leave your doors wide open like I do sometimes, and somebody walks in and, and steals stuff out of your house, they still broke the law. It's against the law for somebody to walk in, even walk into your house without your permission, right? They broke the law. So if Satan stole something from you, even if you were careless, even if it was your own fault, Satan still broke the law. And because of God's mercy and grace, he's going to see to it that you get it back, what he stole. But it's not going to come back automatically. There are things that we have to do first to get those things back. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to use an example. You know, all the scriptures that we read in the Bible were put there for our 
instruction. And God gave us examples. You know, when Jesus was walking here on earth, he was completely human. He gave up all of his glory when he came to earth. He was completely human. He did amazing things while he was here on this earth. He walked without sin completely all of his life. No, not, a, not one sin did he commit during that time. And you know that we get an example from him. He didn't even start his ministry until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember when John the Baptist baptized Jesus? Remember then when he came up out of the water, it says that a dove came on him and then we heard the voice from we heard. They heard the voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit filled him and then he went out into the wilderness for 40 days. And then he began his ministry. So the thing that I want us to remember is that Jesus did great things while he was here on earth in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to do great things here on this earth, but we cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need in order to do anything. We're never going to defeat the enemy in our lives without the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we can live a good life. We can be good people. We can even go to heaven without the Holy Spirit. But we're never going to defeat Satan and take back everything that he has stolen from us until we have that power of the Holy Spirit. What are some of the things that he steals from us? Joy. Okay. What's some of the other things he steals? Health. Peace. What else? Our love. Okay. Time. God, that's a good one. That's a good one. We'll see. Family. Marriage. Patience. Peace. Hope. Hope. Sound mind. Yeah. All right. Got some good ideas there. That's some things that the enemy steals from us in different ways. But I want to look at this example over in Mark chapter 4. I didn't hear anybody say uh, children. Sometimes the devil steals our children. When they go astray, we bring them up the way that they should go, and then they take off and do their own thing. Sometimes our grandchildren, sometimes our spouse, sometimes a husband or a wife, sometimes a father or mother. A lot of us are praying for our parents even that they would come to know Jesus or that if they knew Jesus then gone astray. I want us to get some tools today to take back what the enemy has stolen. And I don't want any of us to leave here satisfied unless we have the abundant life in every area of our life. So in Mark chapter 4, the beginning of Mark chapter 4, Jesus pretty much all day long was teaching in parables. He, told, he taught the multitude in parables. There are several different parables he taught there. 
But in verse 35, it says, after he'd been doing this all day long, it says, on that same day, when evening had come, most people would be going to find somewhere quiet to rest and get ready for the next day. It says there, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side, to the other side of the lake. Like I said, most people, after a long day of teaching, would want to find somewhere to rest. I know even just preaching two messages, I want to find somewhere to rest and take a nap. I always loved Sunday afternoons. It was got some of the best naps of all times on Sunday afternoon after preaching. So anyhow, after he'd been preaching all day long, instead of finding a place to rest, he said, let's go to a next ministry opportunity. And notice it says, let us cross over to the other side. He knew where he was going. A lot of you have read this story before. It's a story where he goes to the other side of the lake and he's met by a man who is filled with a legion of demons and he casts out the demons in this man and then they, after he had set this guy free, they ask him to leave. Now some people might have thought or speculated that he, they were just out for an evening cruise on the lake and happened to get a, come upon this guy and he kind of stopped them from what they were doing. Some people have thought maybe Jesus was going to that area, he was going to preach all around this region and, uh, and then go home, but since the townspeople asked him to leave, he left. No, he went there for a specific purpose, and he accomplished that specific purpose. And we're going to look at that a little bit more as we go on. So after he'd been teaching all day, he decided to get into the boat and go over to the other side. And again, uh, I want us to see through all of this a blueprint for our own lives of how to do ministry. Because that's what Jesus wanted us to follow his example. He even said that we would do greater things than he did. He intends for us to do battle here on earth. We're not here when we get saved. We're not here just to hang on until we get to heaven. We're here to do battle and to take other people with us. I want to take as many with me as I can and encourage other people to grow up and take others with them. So anyhow, the rest of the story. We're in Mark chapter 4, uh, 36 and reading on. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, it says. A great windstorm. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to, notice it, said to, said to, say that with me, he said to. Got to speak it. Thank you, Aaron. Amen. Lesson number one. Speak to the storm. Don't let it beat you up. Speak to it. Don't be satisfied until the storm quits. Speak to it. Okay? Uh, then he said to the sea, Peace, be still. 
And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And look at it again, and they feared. Twice we read that they were fearful for two, two different reasons. And said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? A great wind arose, a great storm, distraction. The storm was a distraction. The storm was a distraction. These guys were used to being out on the sea. They were used to storms. They'd been through them all of their lives. But they recognized there was something different about this storm. Came up out of nowhere, and all of a sudden there was a huge storm that was ready to topple their boats. But Jesus was asleep in the, in, the, in the boat. Why was he able to sleep and they were scared to death? He knew where he was going. Remember we read that at the, beginning, the first verse we read, verse 35? He said, let's go to the other side of the lake. He knew where he was going, and he knew he was going to get there. If God sends you on a mission, you're going to get there. If God sends you on a mission, he's going to provide everything you need to get there. I'm totally blown away every time we go to Mexico. Every year, it seems like right down to the last minute, we're, we're still don't know if we're going to have enough to go financially. This time was no exception. We actually even considered not going this time because we had several different... Uh, uh, financial hits this year, uh, just in the last couple of months. Our car broke down a couple of months, uh, just before Christmas and uh, had to buy another car because it would cost more to fix the car than it was worth. And uh, we don't put cars on payments, so we had to come up with some cash to buy another car. God supplied it. I'm still amazed even how that happened. Then I had I had a couple of jobs that I did that ended up, I had to spend quite a bit more on the jobs than I anticipated because of different reasons. Actually, I, had, I think I had four jobs this, just in the last couple of months that I, I took a financial hit on. It was really, really uh, uh, unusual. I very seldom have, have any uh, extra on jobs that I don't expect. So anyhow, but still, God put it on our hearts. Let's go ahead and bought the plane tickets uh, about a month ago, and we're going to go. And uh, and finances slowly, finances have been coming in. And every time, you know, like was said, we've been going there since '97, and uh, every time we go, we're wondering: should we go this time? Or shouldn't we go? Yeah, you need to get down there. And uh, we talked to them on the phone. When are you coming? When are you coming? We, we have all kinds of plans for you when you get here. They, they're, they're, uh, the people down there are wonderful and ready and receiving and hungry. But that was a distraction. I, I said that because the enemy puts distractions in there. It's just been amazing the storms that have come up against us here just the last couple of months. But you know what? That gets me excited. Because I know there's something good going to happen when I get there. 
Even last night, I was, I was, uh, I came down here to pray for a while last night, and my wife was experiencing some uh, really tremendous pain in in her arm, out, out of nowhere. And that was part of the things that I'm preaching about: is is uh, God wants us to have abundant life in our health. He wants us to be healthy in every area of our lives. We shouldn't settle for anything less. Don't settle for less than perfect health in your lives. You know, if you have something that's going on in your, in your life, in your body right now, that's all right. There's nothing wrong with you. It just means you've got to fight a little more. Don't give up until it's done, until you're healed completely. Because the Word says, in Psalm 103, He says, I heal all your diseases. All of them. Don't give up. Don't settle for less. You know, if it takes months, that's okay. If it takes years, that's all right. Don't give up. That's the key. Don't give up. We, we come up here every week. We're up here praying for people that come for things. And my heart goes out every time somebody is suffering in any way. But if they don't get healed right then, I don't get discouraged. I want you to come back. Come back again next week. Tell me what happened. Tell me if you got healed. Or tell me if you didn't, I'll pray again. I'm not going to give up, and you shouldn't give up either. Don't give up. No matter what the devil throws at you, don't give up. Don't get distracted. Don't walk by your sight. Walk by faith. Don't walk by what you hear. Walk by faith. Stand on the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, 11. It talks about standing, putting on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes, the tricks, the distractions of the devil. Stand. And I, I love that verse, that passage in Ephesians 6, where he tells us to stand. Three times there he said, stand. And then after, after you've done everything, still stand some more. Don't give up until you have the victory. If you need help, get somebody else to pray with you, to believe with you. The Word says where two or three are agree on anything, it will be done. Don't give up. Don't give up. Say that. I won't give up. All right. Amen. I could leave right now. We'd be good. But notice they were fearful. And Jesus rebuked them because they were fearful. He said, where is your faith? He wanted them to speak to the storm. Follow my example. Speak to the storm. It's a distraction. The devil's trying to stop you. Speak to it. Don't give up. Peace be still. Say to the mountain. You see, we can say these things to the storm, because he has given us the authority to say to the storm. He's given us authority over all sickness and disease. He's given that authority to us. Not because we're good people, but because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus gives me authority over every power of the enemy. We had a couple of scriptures there. I think they had them on the screen last Time Luke 9 and Luke 10. Do we have those two up there? Luke 9, 1. 
This is where he told his disciples, the 12 disciples together gave them power and authority over some of the demons and to cure some diseases. No? Huh? The easy ones. Yeah, just the easy ones. I like that. I like Aaron here sitting in the front row. That's good. Yeah. I wish you were here all the time. Anyhow, he said, over all the demons, all of them, and to cure all diseases. Like Psalm 103 says, I cure, he cures all of our diseases. And the other one in 1019, this is where he was talking to the 70. Remember, he sent the 70 out to evangelize, and they came back, and they were so excited. And then he said, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Does that give you a clue about what God intends, what kind of lives God intends us to live here on earth? Over power and authority, over all the power of the enemy. Don't be settling for anything less than complete victory. Again, they were fearful. Notice they were fearful of the storm, and then they were fearful when they saw him speak to the waves, and they calmed down. Two kinds of fear there. They were fearful that they were going to die, and then they were fearful of this power that they had never didn't understand. To this point, Jesus was just a teacher to them. And he certainly did that well. They were amazed at his teaching. But now they begin to see the power that goes along with that. Again, they were fishermen. They were used to storms. They were used to being out there and seeing this kind of thing. They thought to themselves, my goodness, if we could speak to the storms, we could uh, make a lot more money fishing, I'm sure. But anyhow, the power of God some can, can make people fearful. Sometimes when people see power in you, they're fearful. Have you ever had somebody that got offended at things you were doing or saying even before you said anything? Sometimes people you know, don't even want to be around us because they, they feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing the, these disciples were, were experiencing there. They didn't understand it and they were fearful of it. People are always fearful of things they don't understand, aren't they? But I like what it says in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. It says, they who know their God will do great exploits. They who know their God. Not just know about him, but they who know their God. Uh, there's a verse in Psalms that talks about uh, Israel and Moses. Israel knew, or knew about God's works, and Moses knew God. There's a big difference. Moses was an amazing, amazing character because he knew God. He knew him. He talked to him. And he knew what God wanted for him and for the nation of Israel. He wanted them to speak to their storms and keep on speaking. He wants us to speak to our storms and keep on speaking. Well, let's go on in the story there and read some more. In chapter 5, 
Then when they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. No one could bind him, not even with chains. Now, how would you like to be met by somebody like that when you just got to the shore? To the average person, that might be kind of scary. But it didn't bother Jesus. It didn't bother him a bit because he didn't see a violent man. He saw a man that was hungry for God. Everybody else saw a man who was screaming and yelling and cursing and profanity with every other word. But Jesus saw a man who was hungry for God. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, day and night, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Say, crying out. Jesus was across the lake and he heard those cries. Jesus heard him crying while he was preaching in parables all day long. That's why he got into the boat to go to the other side, even though he had been working all day long, even though he knew that there would be danger on the way, even though he knew he would be met by a man who nobody could even tame, it says there, nobody could even... Uh, bind him with chains. He knew what he was going to meet. But he heard that cry. All the way across the lake, he heard that man crying out. Notice it said there, day and night he cried out. Day and night he cried out. I could imagine what that must have sounded like. Can you? The people were scared to death of this guy. But Jesus heard a different cry. And the thing that I want us to get from that today is that we need to hear a different cry from the ones that are lost and the ones that have gone astray. If your children have gone astray, so often as parents we look at what they're doing and we look at what they're saying and we get discouraged. But if we begin to hear them with the eye or the ears of the Spirit, if we begin to see them as Jesus sees them, when we begin to see the potential in them that God sees in them, you know, God saw something in me one time long ago. I was I got saved in 1973. And I was quite a character before that. Did a lot of stupid things. Did a lot of violent things. But God saw something in me. He saw me as I would be. Not as I was right then. He saw where I would be. And he saved me. 
We need to start seeing our children that way. Not hearing their profanity or hearing or seeing the things that they do that, that, that make us so angry. See beyond those things. See with the Spirit into their hearts. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you something for them. When we talk to them, let the Holy Spirit guide our words so that we'll say the things that will get deep into their soul. Because the Holy Spirit is the only one who knows what they need. Because we only have natural eyes. We see what they're doing. We, see what, we hear what they're saying. And we try to change those things. We're just dealing with symptoms. The Holy Spirit knows their heart. And the Holy Spirit knows what it's going to take to change them, to transform them. He changed a guy in the Gadarenes that was so violent that change couldn't buy him. Can you imagine what that was like? So violent and so vulgar in his speech that people drove him away to the mountains. We can't have you around anymore. But he saw something in that man. And when he spoke, just a very simple, very simple, he said, come out of him. He didn't have to go through a big, long, long ordeal. He cast the Spirit out because of the authority that he had. He had the Holy Spirit. Notice, I don't know if we've read that verse yet. For he said, come out of him, unclean spirit. Uh, where does it, I must have missed the verse where it said, uh, Oh yeah, verse 6. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. You see, even the demons recognize who God is. Even the demons know God. Do we know him? And even the demons will see the power of God in us when it is real. When that power is in us, those, even the demons will be subject to the things that we say and the things that we do. But we've got to have that power to do that. The power of the Holy Spirit. And then even the demons will recognize that when we're talking. Remember Jesus when he was preaching? They, they said he speaks as if one with authority. They recognized there was something different even about the way he talked. And when you allow the Holy Spirit to guide your words, pretty soon your speech is even going to change. And when you allow the Holy Spirit to guide your words, all the time, even at work, people will say there's something different about you. What is it there? What is that? Let me know. I want that. That's what's going to bring people in in these last days, because we're in the last days. There's a great harvest out there. People are hungry. They're, they're needing to hear the good news because nothing else is working. Politics sure isn't working. Our politicians sure aren't fish fixing anything, are they? 
And as long as we have hope in politicians, some of them are good people. But no matter how good they are, they're not going to change this country until God changes it. And God's not going to change it until His people, who are called by His name, will humble themselves and pray and seek His face. Then He will heal our land. Then He will heal our land. So anyhow, the demonic was set free. Uh, let's skip a ways down. Uh, remember, he cast all those demons into the herd of swine. It's, in, it's uh, very significant that all he said was, come out of the man unclean spirit. And then he asked his name, and then they came out, went into a herd of swine, went down into the sea and died. 2,000 pigs. Uh, then the people came to see what was going on. Verse 15. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the, had the legion sitting clothed in his right mind. And it says they were afraid. Amazing, isn't it? They were afraid. And then, it, then they asked him to leave. They asked Jesus to leave. Now, some people have speculated that they asked Jesus to leave because they, he was interfering with their commerce. You know, all the pigs went into the ocean and died, you know, and here's their livelihood. My thinking is that they were so afraid of this power of God that they had never experienced before that they couldn't stand it anymore. They wanted him to leave because they didn't understand the power of God. It scared them. They didn't know what other things he was going to come and mess with in their town. Because there was probably a whole lot of other things that were going on in that region that were not good. There's a lot of people that have speculated about that region that there was a lot of demonic activity going on. A lot of devil worship. A lot of... Uh, 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 a lot of uh, ceremonies going on, hence the pigs. A lot of people speculated that they actually sacrificed pigs in their ceremonies. That's where the pigs, the reason for all the pigs that were there. But at any rate, this was a very dark region. But once again, Jesus goes to the worst place. He'll go to any lengths to save one man. How far are we willing to go for the ones that God has entrusted us with? Have you ever thought of that? Every single one of us in this room have been entrusted with certain people. Because there's certain people in this world that will only respond to what you say. They did a survey years ago about uh, how people get saved and you might think that the majority of people get saved at crusades or something like that. But the majority of people get saved because a neighbor or a friend tells them what God has done for them and maybe invites them to church and they get saved. When people come to church and get saved, it's not very often that they just kind of wander in off the street. It's usually because somebody invited them, a friend, a neighbor, co-worker, 
That's how people get saved. And there's people out there that will only respond to your testimony. That's why you have a testimony. It says there that uh, the demoniac, after he was set free, he wanted to go with Jesus. He asked Jesus to go with him. I can understand that. Get me out of this place. But Jesus said, no, you need to go back home. Go to your people. Go home. Tell them the great things that God has done for you. But he went even farther than that. It says that he went and preached in Decapolis, which means ten cities. He became an instant evangelist. And all he did was go and tell his testimony. He told what God had done in his life. And it says that the people marveled at what he was saying. At what the, the former demoniac, they marveled at what he was saying. They saw there was something about this man. Again, they recognized the change. They saw the power of God in this man. And later on, Jesus came back to that same region. Remember, they begged him to leave. He went back there a couple chapters later. It says, and that when he got there, the people brought to him people who were sick. And they begged Jesus to put his hands on them and heal them. So back then they begged him to leave. Now they want him to, to, uh, to uh, minister to people. That's a change. And it all happened because of that one man that was set free. It's all because of that one man. It's all because of that one man that Jesus heard crying out from the mountains and the tombs. Jesus heard him cry all the way across the lake. But he didn't hear the profanity. He heard that man's soul crying out to be saved. Because there's a little bit in every single person on the planet that's crying out to God. No matter what they look like, no matter what they act like, there's something deep inside every single person that is crying out to God. And we need the Holy Spirit to show us what that is. We need the Holy Spirit to show us how to reach that part of that man or that woman, that son, that daughter, that husband, that wife. We need the Holy Spirit to show us so we can set them free. That's what God has called us here to do. And we should never be satisfied. Don't be satisfied for anything less than complete and total victory in every situation, every area of our life, every area of our children's life, every area of our family's life, our neighbor's life. So again, what has the devil stolen from you? Health, wealth, family, the list can go on and on and on. First we have to admit that he has stolen something, don't we? And then we have to do something about it. Do something about it. Search the scriptures. The Bible is filled with promises. And you can find one promise Actually, you can find a whole bunch of promises for any situation you find yourself in today. 
any area of your life that is lacking today, you can find a promise in the Word if you'll take the time to search the Scriptures and if you'll take the time to listen to the Holy Spirit as you search, He will show you. And when you come upon that verse, it'll be like a little siren will go off inside of you and say, that's it. That's it. That's the word that I can stand on. That's the word that I can stand on until I get the victory. And I'm not going to give up. And then you can start telling Satan, Satan, I'm not going to take this from you anymore. I'm not going to let you take my children. I'm not going to let you take my finances. I'm not going to let you take my health. I'm going to take it back now, and I'm going to hang on to it with the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's only that power, and it's only the Word of God. You know one other reason why the Word of God is so powerful? Do we have Psalm 103.20 there? Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word. And notice it says, heeding the voice of his word. Whose word is this talking about? God's word. You see, when you and I speak the word of God, when we speak a scripture out of our mouth, the word... Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active and more powerful than a two-edged sword. It's powerful when it comes out of our mouth, not when it's laying on a table. But when it comes out of our mouth, angels hear it. Angels heed the voice of God's word, and they do battle on our behalf. See, it's not my strength that's doing, bringing the victory. It's God's Word, God's angels that are bringing the victory because of what I say. So when we speak the Word, that's why we talk so much about speaking the Word. That's why Mark 11 says to speak to your mountain. And at uh, the last part of chapter 11 in Mark, three times he says, Speak to. Speak to. Don't talk about it. Don't go to your pastor and ask him to pray about your mountain. It says there, you speak to the mountain. And keep speaking to it until it's gone. Don't give up. If there's anything you take away from this place today, it's don't give up. Don't settle for less than God's abundant life in every area of your life and every area of your children's life, every area of your whole family's life. Don't give up. And I might add to every area of our country. Let's not give up until our country is healed. I think we would all admit that our country is going the wrong direction right now, away from God, not to God. But when God's people who are called by His name will humble themselves and pray, then He will hear and heal our land. So anyhow, see yourselves healthy, healed, 
Romans 4.17. God calls things that are not as though they are. In that passage, he was talking to Abraham. Remember, Abraham was, uh, was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old, and he told them that they were going to have kids. God calls things that are not as though they are. It doesn't matter that she's way past childbirth age, but he called things that were not as though they were. We can't, li we can't live by our own understanding. We can't live by what we see with our eyes. We can't live by what we read in the science books. We've got to live by the Word of God. So, how do we take back what the enemy has stolen? Speak the Word of God over our situation. And then watch what happens. Same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Romans 8, 11. If the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, then he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. That's what we need today. So there's two things today. Two things. Two things that everyone needs. And not just in this room, the whole world. Two things that everyone needs. What do you think those are? Uh, we're getting a little more basic than that. You need to be born again. Nicodemus came to Jesus in John chapter 3 and he asked him. Nicodemus was a teacher. He knew all about the law. He knew all about God, he thought. But he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, you must be born again. Well, if he needed to be born again, I guess we do too. So if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, this is the day. This is the reason that you're here. You're not here by accident. You need to get saved today. The second thing that we need, if we're ever going to take back the, the territory the enemy has stolen or anything else that he has stolen, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. The disciples learned that firsthand. Remember the disciples. Remember before when Jesus got arrested, what happened to all the disciples? They scattered. They were gone. Remember Peter? He was the one that denied Jesus three times and even cursed him? But look what the transformation on the day of Pentecost. Look at the transformation. Every single one of those men laid down their life for the gospel. And every single one of them except John died a horrible death because of the gospel. Even John they tried to kill him, stuck him in a vat of boiling oil, and he didn't die. So they threw him out on the Isle of Patmos. He did even more damage to the kingdom of darkness there. But the difference was the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit filled those people. They were changed. 
Peter, the guy that denied Jesus three times, preached that day, and 3,000 got saved. What a transformation. Again, if you're going to hear the cry of your children, if you're going to hear what they really need, and not just what you're hearing with your natural ears and seeing with your natural eyes, you need the power of the Holy Spirit today. And we have prayer warriors here today that will help you in both those areas. If you've never accepted Jesus, if you've never asked Him to be Lord of your life, today is the day.